We have seen through, throughout the Gospel of Mark that Jesus was constantly on the go, bringing the good news of his kingdom to sinners like you and sinners like me. And last week we saw that he even traveled outside of the Jewish homeland to the region of Tyre and Sidon. But it seems that Jesus did not stay there very long, but soon returned to the Decapolis by the Sea of Galilee. And our story today is about an extraordinary event that takes place upon Jesus' return to the sea. Let's look at it together, shall we? We come to Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37 this week. Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. Verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There are some people, there are some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that these, these words and this revelation of your son would sink deeply into our hearts. May we hear today. And may we be able to speak of the glories of your Son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Mark's description of Jesus' itinerary in our passage today has baffled Bible scholars for centuries and continues to do so. What do I mean? Well, from Mark's description, Jesus left Tyre and went north to Sidon. He then turned east, and then eventually he turned back south, moving in a huge arc to the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, a journey of about 120 miles. Now, why this journey? Why this long journey, and what happened along the way? We have no idea. We have no clue why Jesus did this. <laughs> why he made this massive 120-mile arc around the sea to come around to the other side. We have no clue. Mark does not tell us. But the Apostle John says in the very last verse in his gospel, he says that Jesus did so many other things that the whole world would not have room for the book's that could be written. 
So, this 120-mile journey around the sea falls into that category. We're not real sure what he was doing here. We'll have to wait until we get to heaven to find out all the cool things that Jesus did on this 120-mile journey. But we do, want, we do know about one super cool thing that he did when he returned to the sea. And we just read it. Jesus is faced with a man in bondage to a terrible physical handicap. The man was deaf and virtually mute. And though people couldn't really understand his garbled speech, he could somewhat talk. Which means his condition was likely not from birth. Sometime in early childhood, he had probably lost his hearing from illness or trauma. This handicap was terrible. There's no way to overemphasize this. This handicap in ancient times was awful. Awful. If you and I today were given the choice of blindness or deafness, most of us would probably choose deafness. It seems that being deaf isn't as debilitating as being blind. But medical authorities and the deaf themselves disagree. They disagree. As bad as blindness is, the blind don't suffer the social pain and stigma experienced by the deaf. The gawking, the impatient stares of those who are not aware of one's condition. There is the humiliation of being thought stupid because you cannot speak. Imagine the laughing and the ridicule from children growing up. In this case today, the poor man could not ask questions, could not hear explanations, and undoubtedly could not read. Even the truth of Scripture was hidden from him. Also in ancient times, people attributed conditions like this to hidden sin or demonization. Oh, that guy must have some real sin in his life. His parents must have some real sin in their lives. God is clearly punishing him for something he's done. These were the words of society around him. This man's condition was miserable. He did, however, have some who loved him. And having heard about Jesus, brought this poor man to him. Now Mark here is uncharacteristically detailed in describing the process of how Jesus healed the man. Though the story is brief, Mark paints a vivid picture for us, describing Jesus' elaborate procedure. As we go through this procedure together, it will be helpful for you to remember that the man in our story was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. He was someone who the Jewish religious leaders considered unclean. 
You are to go near this man. So let's look at Jesus' procedure together. First, Jesus took him away from the crowd to a private place to avoid embarrassment that had been the man's experience his whole life. Only the disciples would be witnesses here. Next, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. And after spitting, likely on his finger, he touched the man's tongue. Next, Jesus looked up to heaven. He took a deep breath and exhaled. And then he said to the man, Ephatha, be opened. Now, what in the world is Jesus doing? Why all the theatrics? I mean, in our story last week, if you were here, Jesus didn't even need to say anything for the young girl to be healed. Apparently, he just thought it. <laughs> and the demon left the young girl. So why in this story do we have all the spitting and the touching and the breathing deeply? Why all the drama? <laughs> when you could just think it, Lord, and heal him. Why the drama? Well, let's think about it together. Specifically, as we mentioned in our welcome this morning, let's think about the heart of Jesus. Why would Jesus use such demonstrative hand motions and touching with this man? It's because the man was deaf. Jesus is using sign language to communicate his love to him, his care for him, and what he is about to do for him. You see, Jesus took him by the hand and led him away from the crowds that were gawking at him. This man had been a public spectacle his whole life, but not today. Not today. Jesus would not use this man to put on a show for the crowds. And Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears as a sign I am going to heal them. And then Jesus spit on his finger and touched his finger to the man's tongue, showing the man that not only will you be able to hear, but you will be able to talk again. And then Jesus looked up to heaven, showing the man where this love and where this power was coming from. And then Jesus' deep sigh communicated to him that Jesus was deeply moved by his condition. He was deeply moved. And then Jesus shouted, Ephatha, into the poor man's ears. And immediately his ears were opened. And what does the text say in verse 35? The man began to speak plainly. Jesus had not only healed his ears, but he healed his tongue. 
You see, our gentle and gracious Jesus accommodated his procedure to the deaf man's condition. Jesus identifies emotionally, physically, and spiritually with the man. He meets him right where he is to tell him that I love you. I care for you. I see you. I see you. And my heart goes out to you. But Jesus actually identifies even more with the man than we realize. And Mark gives us a couple hints about this. The first hint is when he explains that Jesus sighed deeply in front of the man right before he healed him. The Greek language denotes here that Jesus was in pain as he sighed. Now, why would that be? Why would Jesus be in pain here? He's about to heal him. So why would he give him this deep sigh? You'd think Jesus would like dance a jig or something in front of him. Smile real big, showing his teeth. Give him a big thumbs up. But no, Jesus is in pain as he takes in this deep breath before the poor man. That's hint number one. Hint number two is that Jesus intentionally uses a very rare Greek word in verse 32. It's a word that only appears one other place in the Bible. And it is in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 35. Commentators say that there is no reason for Jesus to use this particular word unless he's intentionally trying to cross-reference Isaiah 35. Let me read to you Isaiah 35, verses 3 through 6. These verses contain that word that Jesus used. Here is what Isaiah says, quote, Be strong. Do not fear, for your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Notice that Isaiah said that God will come with vengeance. He will come with divine retribution to save us. Well, now wait a minute. We have a gentle Jesus, don't we? Did Jesus come bringing divine retribution on people? No. Jesus isn't going around smiting people and hitting them with lightning bolts. He's not walking around with swords in his hands. He's not taking power. He's giving it away. He's not being served. He's serving. With his every breath, he is serving. So what is Isaiah and Mark showing us? 
They're showing us that Jesus did not come to bring divine retribution. No. Jesus came to bear divine retribution. On the cross, Jesus totally and completely identified with the man in our story. Jesus not only took away his deformities, his illnesses, but on the cross, he took away his sin. He didn't just identify with emotions, his emotions. Jesus identified with the worst part of him, which was his heart. In order for this man to shout for joy, Jesus had to become a mute. Isaiah again writes of him, saying this, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In order for Jesus to open this man's mouth, his own mouth had to be closed. And Jesus did the same for you and for me so that our mouths could be open to proclaim His glory and to worship at His feet, His mouth was closed for you and for me. You see, we were deaf to the things of God. And we were silent about the things of God. Before the Holy Spirit came and opened our hearts, we were as deaf to God's word as this poor man was to all words. Before the Holy Spirit regenerated our hearts, our tongues were only used to blaspheme. We were sinners and rebels to our core. And yet God so loved us. He sent His one and only Son to be led like a lamb to the slaughter in your place and in my place so that now we can hear God's wonderful message of good news, of forgiveness for our sins, and we can open our mouths and shout for joy that is why we have gathered here today to hear the good news and to shout and to sing for joy. Do you see now why you can approach Jesus with confidence? He is infinitely powerful, yes, but he is melt in your mouth, sweet. Do you see how gentle and tender he is with the man in our story? Folks, he is the same with you. 
Your sins don't make Jesus run from you. Your sins make Jesus run to you. Your hurt, your pain, your failures, they make Jesus run to you and touch you and take you by the hand. He wants to show you here today that He sees you and that His heart cares for you. Even in your darkest and deepest sins, He loves you. He cares for you. Even in your life's most difficult trials, Jesus is with you. He has got you by the nail-scarred hand of His and He is leading you forward. He loves you. He is so crazy in love with you that he will not let your sin and rebellion against him keep him from you. Never. He will never do that. Let's close with verses 36 and 37. I just love these verses. (laughs) Verse 36 Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Jesus, as he very often did, commanded the man and the multitude not to speak about him. But they simply would not listen, for they were so utterly astonished that they could not stop talking about what they had seen. They couldn't help it. Jesus is unbelievable. And they've got to tell people about him. And they also give a stirring assessment of Jesus and his work, saying, he has done everything well. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. Though there are constant failures in you and in me, there was no failure in Jesus. Though there are embarrassing blemishes in our works, there was no blemish in Jesus' work. The Heavenly Father agreed completely with this crowd when He spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus is perfect in every way and everything he does is perfect so everyone under the sound of my voice here today listen listen The one who perfectly opens deaf ears and perfectly loosens closed tongues is also the one who has perfectly redeemed you. 
He has not partially redeemed you. He does everything well. And when he went to that cross and shed his blood for your sins, he did it well. He took every last drop of God's wrath against sin. Every drop, there's none left for you. And there's none left for me. Jesus soaked it all in because of his great love for you. So take heart here today, my friends. Though you are a sinner, all of your sins are forgiven. All of them. All of them. Jesus doesn't partially heal the deaf. He doesn't partially heal the mute. And he doesn't partially forgive sins. He forgives them all. He forgives them all. The old hymn writer said it so well, saying, Hear him, you deaf, his praise, ye dumb, your loosened tongues employ. Ye blind, behold, your Savior come, and leap, ye lame, for joy. Let's pray together.